In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever met a celebrity? Uh, A-list celebrity, B-list, C-list celebrity, doesn't matter. Have you ever met someone famous? Uh, I have, no one majorly famous, but a few B-list, C-list, local type celebrities. And truthfully, I don't know what it is about it, but I always walk away from those encounters being disillusioned or disappointed. Um, They're just not very satisfying to me. And again, I'm not sure what it is. Maybe I'm expecting these celebrities to be taller or prettier in person or that there should be like this celebrity glow around famous people that they bring back from Los Angeles or wherever they're from with them. Uh, But you know that's just not the case. And if you've ever met a famous person, maybe like me, you were reminded that famous people at the end of the day are just people, right? There's nothing that different about them. But there's always something about those encounters. If you've had them, they're like, you're left wanting more. You know, maybe there's some trick they can do to to prove that they're worth all of the hype around them. Maybe there's some sort of magic uh, that they can do, some flash in the sky that they can create so that you know that they're worth getting your hopes up. Maybe there's some sign they can give, some celebrity sign that they can flash. If you've ever met someone famous, maybe like me, you felt disappointed or disillusioned and you were left looking for a sign of their celebrity. Well, it's that way with celebrities, but I think for us, sometimes it's that way with Jesus, too. Because Jesus seems and looks so ordinary some of the time. We look at our lives, and we look at the the pain and the hurt and suffering around us, and it doesn't feel or seem like Jesus is really doing very much. He's certainly not solving my problems or curing my disease or or paying my bills or giving me what I want when I want it. And, And Jesus can look and feel often so ordinary sometimes. He's just another, another guy, a good guy, a holy guy, a righteous guy, but he can feel and, and seem like just another person. And so maybe you've gone to Jesus looking for a sign, some sign that he is who he says he is, that he, he can do what he says he can do, uh, that he's there for you, some sign so that you would know how he feels about you, and maybe you've even prayed for a sign. I think there's probably a few of us here this morning who have prayed for a sign when we look at our lives and all of the hurt and the messes around us and we just pray, Lord, give me a sign so that I know you're here, so that I know you can do what you said you do. Lord, give me a sign uh, so that I know that you love me still because it doesn't feel like it down here. Uh, But here's the thing about signs. Uh, Even if we had a sign, uh, an amazing sign, a flash in the sky, a, a glitzy and glamorous sign, it would never be enough. Because, you see, signs tend to create admirers rather than devoted disciples. We see this throughout the scriptures. Signs, even amazing, miraculous signs that Jesus do, tend to create fans rather than beloved sons and daughters. And we love signs. We're wowed by signs. But Jesus didn't come to wow us. He came to save us. Jesus did not come to be our celebrity, but he he came to be our Savior. And Jesus isn't interested in signs, just for the sake of signs. Which maybe is surprising to you if you've read the Bible at all, right? Because Jesus is constantly doing signs. If you've read the Gospels especially, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are full of signs. And, and our Gospel reading t- for today was from John, and John's Gospel is full of signs. Jesus is doing really cool, amazing, miraculous signs. He's feeding people and healing people. 
the, the lame are walking and jumping, the deaf are hearing, the blind are, are see, seeing. And, and at the end of John's gospel, John even writes that, that Jesus did so many more signs and miraculous things that he couldn't write it all down, that one single book or volume couldn't contain all the amazing signs that Jesus was doing. And, and right away, in the beginning of John's gospel, Jesus is doing some really cool stuff. In, in, in a wedding party in Cana, he takes hundreds of gallons of water and turns them into wine. I mean, talk about a sign, right? And maybe that's just the kind of sign that you've been waiting for. Like, that would prove to you that God is here, that he's doing something. That would sure be nice to have that kind of sign. Uh, but even in that very first one, we learned that signs are never good enough. We would never be satisfied with just one. Because a few verses later, after Jesus does this miraculous thing, this amazing, glitzy, glamorous thing, uh, he's in the temple. Jesus is in the temple, and he's cleansing it of its uh, self-righteousness and self-centeredness and materialism. And then the people demand another sign. They say, Jesus, you know, can't you do something? What sign are you going to give, Jesus, that you have the power to do this? And I bet Jesus could have thought it to himself. Well, it was just not that long ago that I was turning hundreds of gallons of water into wine. Uh, <laughs> I should have proved that I have the power to do this, but one is never enough. Uh, at one point in John's Gospel, Jesus takes five loaves of bread and two fish, and he feeds 5,000 people with it. Talk about a sign, right? And then just a few verses later, the people are following Jesus around, and they demand another one. They want their bellies filled again. They, they want Jesus to perform another trick for them. Uh, there's one point just before our reading for today where, where we learn, John tells us, that Jesus has been doing all sorts of signs and miracles and wonders, and the people are amazed by it. Uh, but John tells us that Jesus does not entrust himself to the people. Um, and that's because he knows their hearts. He knows that they are probably admirers, but not devoted disciples. That they are fans and not trusted believers. Uh, but then there's Nicodemus. And we heard about Nicodemus in our gospel reading for today in the very opening words. Uh, Nicodemus, I think, for us is a very sympathetic character. Nicodemus, you might have remembered or heard, he was a Pharisee. That is, he was a religious leader. And if you remember anything about the Pharisees, you know that the Pharisees and Jesus didn't really get along. But here's Nicodemus, maybe putting himself out there a little bit, taking a risk and going to see Jesus at night. Maybe he's a little worried or unsure or doesn't want to get caught. But he goes to Jesus, and he is amazed at what Jesus has been done. He says, Jesus, we, we have seen the signs that you are doing, uh, and now we know that you are truly a godly teacher, a teacher sent from God. And then Jesus goes about the whole next chapter, pretty much, uh, teaching Nicodemus that he's not just a teacher. He's a savior, and he didn't come to wow people with signs, but he came so that people might believe in him. Nicodemus. Uh, there are a lot of Nicodemuses in our world today, I think. You've probably heard or maybe just noticed that in our culture, our 21st century American culture, religion, uh, organized religion, is on the decline. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone, right? Less people are, are filling churches across America than ever before. Uh, less people claim to be Christian or any religion than ever before. And yet, what's interesting is that survey after survey says that Jesus is as popular as ever. People still really admire Jesus. Lots of people, if you went out in the street, they might not say that they're Christian, but I, I bet they would say, yeah, Jesus, he's a good guy. I've read some of his teachings. I even follow some of his moral codes. They seem pretty good. Not all of it. Some of it's pretty old-fashioned and traditional and stuffy, but, but a lot of what Jesus says is good. People love Jesus as much as ever. There are plenty of fans of Jesus today. 
In light of that, I think the question that each of us needs to ask ourselves, Christian people, as we are, we need to ask ourselves and be honest, are we just like Nicodemus? That is, do we admire Jesus or are we his devoted disciple? Do we go to Jesus looking for our very life and salvation or do we go to Jesus looking to get our bellies filled? That is, do we go to Jesus looking for the forgiveness that only he can provide or do we go to Jesus looking for what we want when we want it? Are we waiting for Jesus to perform some trick or are we resting easy in his arms of grace? Is Jesus a celebrity to us or our savior? Are we simply admirers or devoted disciples? Do we, do we pick up and follow some of Jesus' nice moral teachings or do we pick up our crosses and follow Jesus in a lifetime of service and sacrifice? Are we looking for a sign but missing our Savior. Because again, Jesus is never into signs just for the sake of signs. And now, now hear me out. This is not to say that Jesus hasn't or can't or doesn't do miraculous, wild things. I think he does. It's just that all of the signs that Jesus does, both in the scriptures and today, the healings and the miracles and the feedings of the thousands, all of those signs are supposed to point us to the greatest sign. It was never just about the signs. Jesus did the signs, but only to point us to the most amazing sign, the only sign that we need, which is the cross. The cross is our sign. And if you have been praying for a sign, if you said, Lord, give me a sign. I need to know you're there. I need to know I'm forgiven. I I need to know where I stand with you. I need to know that you are a God of, of action. Well, look to the cross. Because that is your sign. Look to the cross because that's where Jesus says, I love you. Do you want to know where you stand with me? I have died for you. Look to the cross. Do you want to know if I'm a God of action that I can do what I said I would do? Look to the cross. That is your sign. Look to the cross. If you want to know if God is here, present with us, of course he is. He jumped down out of heaven to sacrifice his life all for you as Christians. The cross is our sign. And maybe we'll get a miracle, but maybe not. God doesn't promise those, but what he has promised and what he has done, what he has accomplished, is the cross. A couple years ago, I I took a group of high school students up to northern Minnesota, Inger, Minnesota, to a Native American reservation there. And we went there to spend a week working with these kids who lived on the reservation with kind of the sole purpose of sharing the gospel with them. And I have to admit that even as a third-year seminarian, well on my way to graduating seminary and becoming your pastor, I was extremely nervous about this. Uh, Because the kids that we were working with had absolutely zero spiritual foundation, zero spiritual reference points. They they didn't have a concept of God. Uh, Some of them might have heard the name Jesus, but they certainly didn't know who he was. Uh, one of the days, one of the first days we were there, we went out through the neighborhood on the reservation, uh, a group of us from the church, and, and we would go house to house and stand outside and simply pray for the homes of that neighborhood. And some of the kids from the reservation followed us around and they thought we were crazy, right? Because why were we talking to ourselves and saying all these weird words that they had never heard before? They had no concept of God whatsoever. And I remember thinking at the time that it would, sure would have been nice to have a sign, Right? If God could have taken our lunches, our PBs and J's, and turned it into some gourmet meal, I thought, all right, maybe we could get somewhere. Or if he could have just miraculously healed someone that that day, I mean, talk about a sign. If he could have done something really cool, like had me walk on water, there was a river that went through town, now maybe that would have helped. 
or maybe not. Maybe we would have just ended up with admirers, but no more disciples. You see, Jesus didn't do some crazy, miraculous, glitzy, glamorous sign that day. Uh, No one was healed. uh, No miraculous lunches. I didn't walk on water. But we did get a sign. Uh, It came on the very last day we were there. God gave us uh, a beautiful sign. Uh, I remember we were leaving, and... And we were saying our goodbyes. Some of us were playing a last few games with the kids. Um, and we had spent a week with them and got to know them pretty well. And I remember watching, and there's a little girl from the reservation there, and she was giving a hug to one of our high school students. And, and as she backed away from the hug, she kind of looked up at our high schooler, and she noticed the high schooler's necklace. And she said, um, what's that T around your neck? What's that tea? You know, you've been, you've been talking about Jesus all this week, and everyone's wearing teas. What, what's, what's that all about? And, of course, it was a cross. And then I got to listen as that high school student explained to that little girl what the cross was. Got to explain about the life and the love that flowed from the cross. Got to explain the forgiveness and the mercy and the joy that she had because of that cross. You see, for that little girl that day, that was her sign. <laughs> That was the only sign she needed. She didn't need a miracle. She didn't need me to walk on water or for our lunches to multiply. What she needed was Jesus. That was her sign. It's the same with you and me. Our sign is the cross. It's not glitzy. Certainly not glamorous. It doesn't bring many admirers or create too many fans. But it's all that we need. Brothers and sisters, as we journey through this Lenten season, repenting and confessing, let us never lose sight of the cross, to that sign that God has given us of just how much he loves us. In his name, amen.